I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be able to be here to share with you this morning. And, you know, some of you I've not seen in quite a long time. And uh, you've changed. I haven't changed. But most of y'all have changed quite a bit. It wasn't me. And uh, I understand that uh, they got a new addition, Brother Garrett and his wife, a new little boy. And all's well there. And so we praise the Lord for that. You know, I want to just uh, take a few moments this morning and share uh, a passage with you. And, uh, you know, here we are in the beginning of a new year. And there's a lot of things, you know, a lot of times when you uh, get into new years, we talk about a lot of different things that we could go, you know, how to keep your resolutions or three ways to be prosperous in a new year and all of these different things that we could talk about. But I, you know, as I began to prepare after Brother Garrett called me and I began to think about what would the Lord have me to preach here today? What is the burden? I'm in a lot of churches and a lot of places every week. Most of the time I'm in a different place. And so one of the things that I'm seeing, friends, is, as we move on into this new year and what I'm seeing how the church has changed, will you agree with me that that church has changed in the last 10 or 15 years? Amen. Can, can, can we notice a huge difference, a new, a whole turn? And so as I began to think about that and ask the Lord what I would share with you this morning, and I'm going to tell you something. He moved upon my heart, and one of the things that I find is the deal of forgiveness. And there's so much unforgiveness that we say, I'm talking about church people. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about church people, things that are lodged maybe from a long time ago that's keeping us stunted in our church growth. And so that's what I want to talk with you for just a little while this morning about the power of forgiveness. And so if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to begin with to the book of Genesis chapter number 50. Genesis chapter number 50, and uh, we're going to begin reading in verse number 14. I would ask if you would, please, if you would stand in honor and reverence of the reading of God's Word as we begin to look at some things here about the power of forgiveness. Beginning in verse number 14, and Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, and all that went up with him to bury his father after he had buried his father. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will preadventure hate us and will certainly require us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee, now the trespasses of thy brethren, and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. Now we pray thee, forgive the trespasses of the servants of God, of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Father, 
In Jesus' name, we come as humble as I know how to come before you. I come as a little boy that's coming before his dad. And Lord, I ask you today for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to be able to preach your word today. I pray that you do to me now whatever you need to do to get me to the place that you can speak through me today. I pray for the anointing upon every one of us in this room that we might hear the word of God as the word of God. Then, Lord, that you'd give us the gift of faith to be able to be obedient to do exactly what you'd have us to do. And, Lord, I'm going to thank you and praise you for that now. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, simply believing. Amen and amen. You may be seated. As we think about this subject this morning on the power of forgiveness, you know, bitterness is a force of, you know, of destruction and bondage. It can, it can bind us up and it destroys people and relationships and it, it, it makes prisoners of our hurts and hatred. I, I think Job described it well when he said in Job 21, he said, one dies in his full strength being wholly at ease and quiet. But another dies in his bitterness of soul, and he never eats in pleasure, Job 21, 23, and, and 25. So as we look at this, forgiveness is a source, if you will, of emotional health and freedom. It, it has the power to set us free from hurts of the past. And whether we are, you know, be talking about 10 minutes ago or 10 years ago, friends, I'm going to tell you something. I don't want you to turn me off right now because just because of what the title of the message is, I'm going to tell you something. I believe that God has sent me here today to share a word with you that I'm going to tell you may deliver you, may set you free, and I'm going to tell you something. Uh, many of us need to be set free today. Amen. I've never seen in, in all of my days in 35 years of pastoring churches, I've never seen so many of God's people bound up like they are today. And I'm going to tell you something, a whole lot of that is because of the fact uh, that we just absolutely do not want to forgive. And so forgiveness frees us up to love those who have hurt us, you know, we, we notice there in, in verse 20, he said, you thought evil against me. That's what Joseph said. Hey, guys, you did all of that. When you planned all of that, you were thinking about getting me. You thought evil against me. Joseph didn't deny the sinful nature of his, you know, of his brother's action. He wasn't saying, hey, they didn't really mean it. He was not saying that at all. Yet Joseph had refused to let their actions turn him into a bitter man. He refused. He said, I'm not going there. Have you ever been in a situation when you said, hey, I'm just not going there. Uh, let's just stop right here. I don't want to go to that place. And so Joseph had responded to their hurts with forgiveness because he had understood some of God's principles and their very important principles. And some of these I want us to see. And number one is this right here. God only has the right to forgive another for wrongs they do to us. I'm going to tell you something now. Some of this is going to, to seem like it's going against the grain a little bit, but just stay with me, amen? Don't, don't turn it off, you know? And he said in verse 19, he said, Am I in the place of God? Is that who I am? And so his brothers had sinned against him. Sure they had. They, they did. 
and, and their acts were unjustifiable. It was no way in the world that they could justify what, what they did. Joseph didn't make any excuses for their, for, for their actions. He didn't say, hey, they didn't really mean that. You know, sometimes we'll try to make excuses one for another, but he said, hey, he, he, he didn't try to justify that. He understood that they were accountable to God for their actions, not him. Let me tell you something. One day it's going to be payday. One day we're going to have to give an account to God. And it's not necessarily if somebody wrongs me. That's up to God to fix that. Amen? That's up to him to take care of those things. So forgiveness is an act of our will, if you will, in which we give up the right to hold another person accountable for the wrongs that they've done to us. It means releasing that person from any obligation to ever make things right with me. Joseph understood that, that God can overrule our hearts, even turning, you know, instances of pain into good. He understood those things. God meant it unto good. And so the actions of his brothers were not good. I want to tell you something. It, it was not good. The results in his life were not good. Uh, you know, when you think about this and we think about the story of Joseph, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something. He didn't just spend a weekend in jail, but he was there, some believe, as much as 14 years absolutely for something that he did not do. Absolutely, he was innocent, and yet he spent 14 years in his life. And so now would you not think that, hey, hey that he might have a little grievance? Amen. Now, if y'all help me, we'll get through. If you don't, it may take us a little while. Amen. And so you're just going to have to help me here just a little bit. And so, you know, he also knew this, that God's work was good. You know, we, we live in the right now. See, we, we want what we want. We want it right now. And this is, this is where we, where we want to part. And so because Joseph had forgiven his brothers, he could comfort and speak kindly unto them in verse 21. Notice what he said. He said, now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And so forgiveness frees us to love those who have hurt us. We don't excuse their behavior or deny the hurt. I'm not asking us to do that at all. We simply choose by an act of our will to give up the right to make them pay for the wrongs they've done us. You don't know what they've done to me, Brother Mick. You don't know what they said. You don't know what they cost me. I don't have to know. God already knows, amen? He's the one, you know, that knows. He is the one that knows. And he's the one that takes care of that. And so the alternative is to spend our days in bondage to destructive habits or bitterness. We can be bitter. We can do that. Forgiveness frees us up. You know, the destructive habits of a bitter soul. If you would, turn with me to the, in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4. I'm just trying to give just a little bit of foundation here as we hear Ephesians, chapter 4. When we look, and we're going to begin in verse number 26. He said, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, 
the thing which is good that he may have to give unto them that need it. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And so we notice something. Unforgiveness, folks. And we're going to just kind of get down to where we live. Unforgiveness gives Satan a place, you know, in our lives. It gives him that place. You see, the word place means a small area of occupancy and, and jurisdiction. So when Satan gains a place in the lives, he, he keeps us in bondage, directing us. He's always there. And, you know, he, he, he guides us to to act selfishly in, in verse number 28. He said, let him that steal or stole, steal no more. And you know, I, I mean, when we sometimes people try to get their needs met the wrong way, you know? And, and so to speak hatefully, look in verse 29. He said, and let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. And, and, and also in, in to live carnally in verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit, carnally, you know, carnal, you know, carnal-mindedly. Many Christians, I believe this, that many Christians have knelt at the altar, come right here, knelt at the altar, asking God to forgive them for their bitter and hateful actions, often promising to be different. God, I'm going to be different. Come right here and just... Say, hey, I, I want things to be right. I want to, I, I, I want to be lose this bitter spirit that I got. But they can't, because Satan still has a place in their lives that he claims as his own because of past unforgiven offenses, because of something that happened there maybe twenty years ago. And so the symptoms. What are some symptoms? But make how can I know? whether this is dealing with me. How can I know what you're talking about? What, what's going on here? So let me give you some symptoms of an unforgiving spirit. Uh, an emotional symptom might be this, bitterness. Bitterness, deeply felt resentment. Just got some resentment against this person or, or this thing or whatever it may be. Or it may be wrath, extreme anger, you know, rage. I, I've talked with people and you can mention a name and they just go into a fit. Amen? I, I mean, uh, I, I'm not the only one here, I believe, that sometimes fits this category. I'm probably looking at some people that has this same attitude sometimes. Anger, sometimes mild displeasure. But some behavioral, you know, symptoms. Clamor. Clamor. What's that? A need to talk about the person of the offense. Every time that you have a conversation with them, you know, they keep bringing it up. They keep bringing up, you remember what happened such and such a time? You remember what happened? You remember what happened to me and what they said and did? Evil speaking, any kind of hateful speech, you know, point out their faults. Point that out and, and criticize. 
malice, to intentionally harm, or to get even. I want to get even. And you know, we can ask God to forgive these things, and I'm going to tell you something, he will. He will, but until we forgive those, now listen, we face when we get to the good part, he will. But until we forgive those who have hurt us, Satan will still control a part of our life, and he will continue to enslave us to these destructive habits of bitterness. Well, Mick, I don't know about all of that. Well, I want you to turn with now to a very familiar passage in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to begin in verse number 9. And you, you know this as well as anything. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And most time we stop right there. That's the model prayer. We stop right there. But you know, sometimes when, when the Lord wants to give emphasis, special emphasis on something, he adds what we call an adidim to that. And the adidim right here, looking verse 14, he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And verse 15, But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So now then, hey, we're, we're seeing something here just a little bit that he Hey, he's not ready till we get ready to forgive. And it could be like this. Maybe if I could just get this, it seems like that I've just missed out on something here this morning. Maybe if I just told another story, and if I'm not going to ask you to go there, but I just want you to think about a story in Matthew chapter number 18. If you look over there, you're going to find in about verse 18 or 19, you're going to find where Peter is very spiritual. You know, sometimes, do y'all ever just get more spiritual sometimes than you do other times? Amen. Are y'all just all spiritual all the time? All the time. That's what I thought. It doesn't matter whether it's Monday or Sunday. We're just spiritual all the time. Well, I have to really work at that, to be honest with you. Amen. And so Peter was in one of his spiritual moments, and he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone if they come to me? Up to seven times? And what did the Lord say? He said, no, Pete, you missed it, son. But I say unto thee, 70 times seven, which is 490. But that's not really what he's saying. What he's saying is as often as you want to be forgiven, then you must forgive. And so then he goes on in verse 23, and he, he gives us a very good illustration that I want to give you just in a paraphrase just for a couple of moments to just try to make this come come together where we can grasp what I believe the Lord wants us to grasp out of this this morning. We find in that story, and I'm going to use myself as part of this, we find in this story that there is a, 
a king. And there's a person that owed that king a million dollars. Now, it could be like this. It could be like me, and I owed the bank, and Brother Tom is the banker. And I owe the bank a million dollars. And I've been owing that for a while, and Tom sends word to me to come in, and we need to deal with this loan of a million dollars. And I come in, and he says, Nikki, you need to pay up the million dollars. And in that story, I fall down before Tom. I said, Tom, just give me a little more time, bud. I'm working, I'm trying to do everything I can to pay it. And Tom looks at me, and the Bible says that he had compassion. And he said, Mick, get up. Your debt's paid. You don't owe me anything. You don't owe the bank anything. You're free. Are you sure? Yep. You're free. You don't owe anything. Man, I'm going to tell you, I get up, I'm pumped. I'm excited. How many of y'all would be excited if you had a million-dollar debt, you know, that had been just wrote off? So, man, I go outside. I'm tickled, man. I'm stepping high. I'm feeling good. I don't know the million. I'm good. But then I see Wayne Davis back there, and I remember that 15 years ago, Wayne borrowed $20 from me. Have you ever noticed when somebody owes you something, every time you see them, you remember it? Now, they probably don't. They, he, Wayne had forgotten about it. But here I am. Now, keep in mind, I have just been forgiven a million dollars, and I see my buddy Wayne, who owes me 20, and I go up to Wayne. I said, Wayne, what about the 20 that you owe me? Wayne said, Nick, I forgot about it, man. But just give me, I don't have it on me. Give me tomorrow, and, and I will make sure that I pay you that $20. But the Bible says that, no, that's not good enough, Davis. And the Bible says that I took him by the throat, and I said, listen, give me my $20 now, or you and all of your family are going to be cast into prison because during that time, you could absolutely put somebody that was in debt to you, you could put them in prison. And I said, that's exactly what's going to happen to you, Davis. You're going to jail. And I walked off, and he and his whole family now is in jail. Well, I get word because there were some people, there's always people watching you, by the way, and so there were some people that had watched me that was in the bank that seen me get delivered. They also seen me deal with Wayne. And they go back and tell Tom what happened. So Tom sends word for me to come back. Man, I'm tickled to death. I said, man, I'm going to tell you something. Oh, Watkins, he's going to probably make me a VP or something. You know, he likes me. He really likes me. And so when I get into the bank, though, that's not what I find. But I find that the king is very wroth. He's angry with me. He said, listen, why didn't you forgive Wayne that 20? I forgave you a million, and you wouldn't forgive Wayne that 20? 
here's what I'm going to do for you, Mick. I'm fixing to reject what we just did. You and Barbara and your family and all of the grandkids and all of them are going into prison until such time as you forgive Wayne. And if you don't want to forgive Wayne, then, mister, you're going to be in jail. And, you, by the way, you still owe the million. And I'm afraid it's a whole lot of people today that are in debtor's prison because of the fact that, hey, we forget about what God has done for us. Amen. We forget about the fact that, hey, we owed a debt that we could not pay. And he paid it, and now all of a sudden, if we're not careful, we'll want to call in the hand, you know, and say, well, hey, you don't know what they've done to me. It wasn't near as much as what we've done to Christ. Amen? So forgiveness, God's way to freedom. What does he say there in verse number 32 back in, in Ephesians chapter 4? What does he say? He said, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. You see, we can forgive because we've been forgiven. Amen? I, I mean, we, we can do that. You see, the key to forgiveness is to focus on what God has done for you. Instead of focusing on what everybody's doing to me, why don't let's focus on what God has done for us? Amen? And uh, listen, as God forgave us freely, undeserving, we are to forgive those that have hurt us. Perhaps here's the deal. Perhaps you've never received the forgiveness of sins that God has provided through his son Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never been there. Hmm. I could be, maybe, you know. We'll never be able to forgive those who have hurt us until we have experienced the forgiveness of Christ. You see, that, that's something, that's a sobering thought in itself. You see, God longs, he longs for us in these last days for us to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. And know the forgiveness of our sins. Not maybe so, hope so, but you can know. I talk to people, you know, almost on a daily basis. You know, I said, man, time's getting short. I believe anybody can see that, that time is winding down. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Well, I hope so. I think so. That dog won't hunt. I'm going to just tell you, that's not good. You need to know so, you know, and you can know so, you know. And so... Jesus died in our place that we might be saved. Let me give you some steps to freedom real quick and we'll be through. Seek forgiveness from God, number one. Confess our own bitterness and selfish actions. You know, uh, whether it be hateful speech or common living, God already knows. Okay, and and think what we need to do. Confess simply means to agree with God. That's all it means. And if we'll confess that, agree with God that our feelings of bitterness and wrath and malice have no place in our life. And so when we come to this place, thank God, you know, for the blood of Christ that cleanses you from our sins. You know, this is where we have to get to that place. 
forgive our offenders. Forgive them. Come to that place. Act as an act of your own free will of faith before God. Be willing to forgive them. You know, release them from any obligation to make things right. Don't hold things against them. You know, release them. Set it free. It's just not worth it. And when we're willing to forgive those who have, you know, who have wronged us, we no longer allow Satan to have a place in our life. Hey, I'm, I'm not going to. Satan, I do not. I don't want him to have one, no peace of me. Amen? He had me for 28 years, folks. For 28 years, he directed my life. And you know something? For 14 of those 28 years, if you'd asked me if I was a Christian, I'd have said, yeah. Because when I was a 14-year-old kid, I walked an aisle at Nebo Baptist Church. And I cried the tears, and I got the Bible, I got baptized, and I got it all. And like I say, if you'd asked me from the time I was 14 to 28, if I was saved, I'd have said yes. But the truth of the matter was, had nothing ever changed in my life. Had nothing changed in my life till January 28, 1978. 4.30 in the afternoon, Jefferson Davis Hospital. I was born again, I know, because I was there. Amen? I, I know all about what took place. And so, see, what I'm saying is you can know that. And sometimes, you see, when we're willing to forgive those who have wronged us, when we're willing to go there, you know, what about today? Do you know the forgiveness of God? You know it for sure? You know, have you placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus and, and Calvary? Is that where you put your trust? You know, if not, I believe this. I believe that today is the day that God has prepared you to come and to receive his forgiveness. You know, and perhaps, though, here this morning, God has brought someone to mind that you need to forgive. Now, here's the thing. You need to purpose to forgive them. See, you have to, that has to be on purpose. You have to. Well, Brother Mick, I would, but that's been so long ago, and that person might already be in the grave. Yeah, that can happen. And it can, it can lock you up until you deal with this issue. I know some that's had to go to the cemetery. I, I understand, folk. I was born at night, but not last night. I understand that they're not out there in the cemetery, but that's the last place where you saw them. That's where their marker is. That's where you go. And I'm going to tell you something. And, and sometimes people have had to go out there and say, Ma'am, sir, I just want you to know something. I forgive you. You see, it takes an act. Many times we say, well, why come I can't just sit here and for just say, God, will you forgive them? No, this is not a deal where God is to forgive them. This is the deal where you are to forgive them, and God is the witness whether you did or whether you don't. Amen? I know this is hard. This is probably not what you expected on January the 7th, you know, 2024. But I'm going to tell you something. We're in the last of the last days. Amen? And I'm going to tell you something. It's time to put the metal, pedal to the metal, and it's time, I'm going to tell you, to look up because...
our redemption draweth nigh. And it's time for us to be ready. Jesus said, in a time you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Is there someone that's hurt you? Is there someone that you need to deal with? You know, here's some things that you can do. You might need to make a phone call. You might need to go see them. Whatever it might be. You know, here this morning, you know, I just feel compelled that, you know, to give you an opportunity to say, Lord, I want this thing to be right. Lord, I want myself to be right with you. Lord, I do not want to give the devil one little bit of my life. When I think about the offense, they're not going to ever have to stand before me. But did you know, think about this, every one of us in this room, one day, every one of us is going to stand before God, either at the judgment seat of Christ or at the great white throne judgment. But every person will ultimately, ultimately, is going to give an account to God. He's the one that really matters. And you know, here's the thing. If you just think about this, the person that's bound down got this unforgiving spirit. And you know, it was just like as I used the illustration of me and Wayne. You know, Wayne didn't know it. Wayne wasn't in... He was going on about his life, happy-go-lucky. Who was the one that was bound up? It was me. I was the one that was always thinking about it. I was the one that every time I saw Wayne, I thought about that $20. See, it was me. It wasn't about Wayne. It was about me. And friends, I, I don't, I've just stopped by here this morning to tell you, if you're holding someone in bondage you're the one that's in bondage and I would like to encourage you this morning to say hey I done been here as long as I'm going to stay Lord I'm fixing to set some people free right here today if that's you we're fixing to give you an opportunity we're going to have a hymn of invitation and listen I'm not asking you to share anything about who or what, that's not, the, that's not the idea. God already knows. God already knows. But friend, I am asking you if that's you today, if you're having this trouble, don't leave like you come. Set them free so you can be free. And you can walk out of here like I did out of the bank. Man, not making a track. It's so good. Let's stand. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I've done my dead-level best to do what you said do, to say what you would have me to say. Lord, if there's one person here today that's bound up in unforgiveness, oh, God, I'm asking you 
Lord, to just move upon their heart today to set people free so that they may be free. And Lord, I'm going to thank you now for what you're about to do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen as we sing. <laughs>